Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to another edition of the Gagan Pod. I'm joined by Michael Bridges, Mark Schwarzer, and Thomas Sorensen as we look back at all the cup sets from the weekend. Nuno Tavares's tantrum as they share stories of footballers that threw some similar ones back in the day. We look at our transfer talk as the January window is open. Where will Riley McGree go? Will he link back up with Ange Postacoglu at Celtic? And then we look forward to a mouth-watering weekend of Premier League action, including Man City taking on Chelsea, Tottenham up against Arsenal. There's so much football coming up on Optus Sport. It all kicks off now on the game. What's happening, football fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Gagan Pod. I'm very happy this morning because I'm joined by all three of our guests. They've all turned up for this one. Michael Bridges, Mark Schwarzer, and Thomas Sorensen back home in Melbourne as well. But, Bridgie, I'm going to kick it off with you because it's been a huge week for your hometown. The Toon signed Kieran Trippier. That was a pretty big signing. La Liga winner. And then they've just gone and bombed out of the FA Cup at home to Cambridge. What's the mood like up there? It is all part of the master plan oh. for Newcastle United. What a week. Oh, here we go. Here <laughs> we go. <laughs> Trippier signing, can you believe it? Absolutely incredible. Lots of talk that there's others to follow suit because they're going to need it. And I saw the headlines, the comments coming out of Newcastle United. We can now concentrate on the league. There you go. It was, it was always going to happen, the old cliches. But it, it was a terrible performance um, against Cambridge. I've got to say, and there was only one one man that was happy, and I've heard him all over the world, and that is Max Rushton. You know, we've worked with us on Optus Sport. He does the talk sport in the UK. He is one very, very happy man, and all he keeps saying is Newcastle United nil, Cambridge United won. So, yeah, it's been an up and down roller coaster ride, and I'm sure the boys have got something to say about that as well. But what what an interesting week in the northeast, Schwartzy. I mean, you had Newcastle and Burnley both out on the same day. Was that a bit of a window into who's going to get relegated later this season? No, I, I think it was more about, um, well, firstly, obviously a combination of the fact that the clubs are in the position they're in because they are having a torrid time. So to, to lose against lower opposition obviously tells you they're not in a good place. Um, but there is a sense of what Bridgie said there, even obviously he was saying it with a, with a, with a bit of a cheeky smile and, 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 and uh, um, side to it was that they can concentrate on the league. Geez, they mm-hmm. need to. Both of them, because you know they're in a, for a long, long haul, long fight, um, and it's going to come down to the wire for for both of them. Well, they're going to hope it's going to come down to the wire because at the moment they're not careful. Um, you know, they could be ended up being cut off at the back there and already gone very, very soon. And Tommy, they've signed Kieran Trippier. It's it's a pretty good signing, but uh, I think they're still a long way away from where they need to be. They've now been linked to Aubameyang. They've been linked to Aaron Ramsey, Luca Digne from Everton. Who is the right next signing for Eddie Howe to get them out of this mess? I think they need a striker. Obviously, Callum Wilson is out with a, a calf injury. I think he he's he's a huge miss. Um, I think there's, there's talks this morning about a, a young French striker from Reims. Uh, Ikiteke, uh, Chris Woods even from, from Burnley. 
but but they need they need goals, uh, and, and you could see that against Cambridge as well. Uh, but w- what a great story! Uh, you know, you got Mark Bonner, who's never played football, managing the team at 36. You know, he he came up through the ranks from the under eights, uh, and this is what the FA Cup is is about. So yes, Newcastle Iron Strife, uh, but I agree with the with the lads that uh, I think Newcastle compared to Burnley are in a much better position to you know to move out of that uh, bottom three. There's two ways Newcastle United are going to survive this, and I'm I'm saying this a bit tongue in cheek, but a, a bit of realism about it as well. There's two things to talk about. They're either going to sign big, and they're going to get some of them players you've just mentioned. The other way they're going to do it, there is huge talk that Tarkovsky of Burnley is on the radar massively, and there's huge talk that Chris Wood, you just mentioned, the New Zealand striker from Burnley. So Burnley are in a massive dilemma here. They're going to lose two of their best players. If not, they might lose the player, me, as well, who's another defender. Newcastle are either going to buy the way out of trouble and send one of the other boys down, or Burnley have got a massive decision to see. We hold on to them, we try and fight survival. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a massive test of the character of Burnley. And if they do let them go, I can see Sean Dyche having enough of it and saying, you know, that is me done. He'll want the players to fight the battle. So it's going to be an interesting month, uh, well, 21 days left to see what happens and if any of this materialises. They can't let him go. That, that bottom line, they they can't. Agree. If Burnley Agree. let them go. You're right. I mean, Sean Dyke, unless unless he's given a, a, a big lump sum to go and buy some reinforcements, which they've never done before, that they would be absolutely mad and would be waving a white flag already, saying, "Right, we're done with, and we're going to get relegated. So why not just you know cut our loss right now and 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 cash in on on our on our main assets? No chance in the world." Should they be giving uh, selling those players? I've heard a rumor, and I don't know how. I mean, I've heard it from a, from a reliable source, is that Newcastle actually don't have a lot of money at their at their disposal. I've actually heard that the Saudi the Saudi um, backing they supposedly have um, is part of the, that consortium, but they're there more of a, as a financial guarantee uh, rather than actually prepared to throw in a lot of money into the club. I've heard they've got money to, to spend on, on, uh, on wages, but not necessarily out in the transfer window and spend big. So it'll be very, very interesting to see how this January month plays out. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're coming out with a statement saying you're going to win the Premier League in five years and they've got no money, then somebody's lying. So it's going to be, it's going to be unbelievable to see what goes on. I, yeah, I totally agree. Tommy, uh, there's a club that I think has more money than people realise at the moment. They're playing now. Your former club, Aston Villa, just had a second disallowed goal here against Man United for another tight offside. Um, but they're down 1-0 at the moment, still in with the cup. What have you made for them? Because huge Philip Coutinho came out of nowhere. He was being linked with the likes of Chelsea, a move back to Liverpool potentially. Villa have swooped in. Same with Luca Digne now at, at Everton. Chelsea's been linked with him, and yet... Villa seem like the leaders who are favourites to sign him. So wh- where's this transfer strategy come from? How much of it has Steven Gerrard influenced bringing a player like Philip Coutinho's former teammate across to the club? And how big of a coup is that for Villa? I think it's huge. And, and, and I think you can only put it down to the, the Steven Gerrard effect. I think what, what he's brought in, the name, the connections. Uh, you know, he played with Coutinho at, at Liverpool. Uh, I think it's, it's the only reason why, why Coutinho is there. Uh, and it's it's probably the the missing link. Yes, Grealish left, and I, I, they've really struggled to to fill that gap. Buendia has come in; he hasn't lived up to to the same expectations uh, quite yet. So I think Coutinho 
midfielder who scores goals, sets up goals. You know, he's done that forever. Yes, it didn't quite work out at uh, Barcelona, but, you know, a year ago he was at uh, Bayern Munich, uh, did well there. So, so, and he's only 29, so, so he's still got some good years ahead of him. Uh, so I think it's a great signing. And, uh, and it just shows that, um, you know, that it gives you that little bit of an advantage that with a, with a former player and name uh, uh, like Steven Gerrard at the, uh, at the helm. All I'd say, though, uh, Tommy, is I, I don't think Coutinho had a good time at Bayern. That's why he found himself on the outer, and that's why they didn't keep him there longer. He did okay at the beginning and then fell away a lot. He struggled to find another club. Couldn't get into the Barcelona side anymore. What a time when they're desperate for players of quality to try and take them out of the mess that they're in, right? So whether it's a financial thing now that they've shown him the door, I'd be interested to see what you got, what you guys think. I've got a thought on how this move is going to play out with Coutinho. I want to know what you guys think. Do you think it's going to be a good signing for Villa? I am going to say that it always helps when he picked Steven Gerrard as one of his favourite midfielders and he's 11, Coutinho did. Stevie's obviously seen that and gone, this is going to be an easy one to get hold of. You know, he's a fan of mine, bloody blah, they play together. However, I don't think it's going to work out because um, the player that Tommy mentioned there, Bundia, he's been playing on the left-hand side in behind Watkins. That's the Coutinho system. Um, can they can they play the two of them? I don't think he's got the work ethic to to match Stevie's style and philosophy. So I'm I'm going to say it's not going to happen. It's not going to be a nice transition. I hope I'm wrong because I do like Villa. But as a Villa fan, I'm going to be the glass half full guy. I, I think it's going to work. Uh, yes, Steven Gerrard has a bit of a puzzle with uh, you know he can't really play both Ings and and Watkins up front. Um, but uh, I think he's just going to give them. What they've been missing, just uh, he's going to supply Watkins with with the balls, um, and then Ings can be sort of uh, the guy off the bench that can make a difference. Um, so, so yeah, for me, it's going to make Villa a better team uh, in my eyes. So, why couldn't he do it at Barcelona? Why couldn't he? He had better players I, around him. Why you know, couldn't he do it at Bayern when yeah, he had better players around him? Why is he going to do it? At I, I don't know him. Per- Look at, look at him just yeah, poking, think, the, look at him poking the cage yes, just trying to course, stare hey, us no. <laughs> This is what this podcast is all about. Let's have a discussion about it. No, again, I, I think I think the um, he seems like a player from a distance that, that needs to be in, in the right you know, frame of mind. He, he needs the support. I think he's been left out a bit at Barcelona in the shadow of Messi, the pressure that that club offers. I think with Steven Gerrard, he knows he's got a manager that's got full faith in him, that knows him well, knows his strengths and weaknesses. And I think Steven Gerrard is going to get the best out of him. Uh, so, so that's my, uh, that's, that, that's what gives me confidence in, in this move, that that, um, that that connection between the two is, is going to make the difference. After hearing Tommy's claim there and what he's just, he just sold me the product there, I'm taking it. I'm going to say he's going to be a success now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, was well, that was well sold there. So I, I look what about you, Claude? I look at it and go, there's a number of clubs that could have taken him. Liverpool could have taken him. They, you know, there's a number of teams, that, bigger clubs that could have gone, you know what? Actually, especially Liverpool with the connection and everything else. And they've chosen not to. And they've had a number of options to do so. Um, I, I'm going to say he's going to struggle. I, I think he's going to find it. I think it's last chance saloon for him at a, at a, at a good level over here I, I think I think he's going to struggle I think his confidence is so shot I don't, I don't know I, I think he needs more than Steven Gerrard to get him back on track again I hope I'm wrong because what a, what, a, what a wonderful player he was when he was at Liverpool mm. 
Well, I mean, he, he was a wonderful player when he was the creative outlet, right? And then he went to a, a Barcelona side where he was just one of many, same at Bayern Munich. And I think if, if now he is in a side, which not to say anything about Villa, but if he is the creative outlet and he's given that role where he can kind of stay forward, play that classic 10 role, maybe that will suit him more than the systems at Barca and Bayern, which require him to be a little bit more of an all-round player and fit into a system. I don't know. I'm trying to look at it half full as well. Let's see, because he is a phenomenal talent and we miss him in the Prem. So let's hope he comes back with a good impact. I want to talk about Arsenal, who have also been front and centre in the transfer headlines. Their former captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, it looks to it looks like he's going to be leaving before the end of the month. He's linked with absolutely everyone. I even saw a couple of uh, Twitter rumours linking him to the A-League at one point. Um, and, but I want to speak about their, their early exit from the FA Cup as well, away at Nottingham Forest. And particularly one moment, Nuno Tavares was subbed off after 33 minutes, boys. Bridgie, firstly, have you ever been hooked early in the first half? And secondly, do you think a player deserves that? Or should they, should they be given the 45 minutes at least? Or if they're playing bad enough, you can hook them after 10. The only, the only reason I got hooked in the first half, I was playing for Bolton Wanderers Reserves. And a, a quite <laughs> funny story. In the <laughs> reserve, this is brilliant. Bolton Wanderers absolutely dog shite. <laughs> you love this one, I swear. I swear, this is priceless. I remember it was the first club I went to where we had to take tablets before the game and before training. We'd take a cod liver oil tablet, we would take some form of protein tablet and a caffeine tablet, and it was always in your little container. Now, before the reserve game, um, somebody had either pranked me or somebody had actually made a mistake. And there was three caffeine tablets in my container. And all I remember after 20 minutes of the game I started, my stomach just went. And it was, it, it was, I've got to find a toilet as quick as I can. And I remember breaking wind next to a guy called Callum Davenport, a defender. And he looked at me and went, are you all right, mate? And I said, mate, I am struggling. He said, that is wrong what you've just done. And I ran off the field and I sat in the toilet in the dressing room for about 10 minutes I came back out on the field. They'd already made a substitution. I actually got yellow carded by the referee for not acknowledging. I didn't even know you had to tell the referee you were leaving the field of play. Um, and, mate, I was absolutely violent. Like, I was really, really bad in a bad place with shakes and, like, this caffeine hit. And I probably sat in the toilet for about three hours, mate. And he lost was 38 years stone. old by that time. He didn't know that he had to ask the referee whether he can come back <laughs> hey, but on the it was pitch quite, or not. I'll tell you what. It was, you it was, are on the quite, ball, mate. On it the was ball. Quite a dodge, it was quite a dodgy <laughs> scenario what happened because um, they turned out to be quite dangerous, oh them tablets, God, because Bridget, there was a player who took getting one. Deeper, mate. Mate, I'll tell yeah. you. So yeah, I got, I got something in a resi game. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, uh. Schwartzy, um, I doubt you know that you guys as keepers would have experienced this, but looking at Tavares' response, is that uh, is that fair that he's responded in that way? Do you have to give a player a certain amount of time, or if you're just not good enough, the manager's entitled to hook you at any point of the game? Uh, listen, I think it takes a certain type of manager to to I, I think um, be brave enough to make that decision. There are not a lot. I have to mm -hmm. say, I mean, I know when I was at Chelsea, Jose Mourinho did it, and he was he was actually really, really good at it in terms of the way he dealt with it. So the player was so annoyed, and he wouldn't react to it. And then afterwards, he put his arm around the player and, and explained to him why he made the substitution. And he said, it's got nothing to do with you. Sometimes it had something to do with him. He just goes, well, you just didn't do what you were asked. You know, you didn't, it didn't work out for you. It was one of those days. But I believe in you, you'll be back again, you get another opportunity. So I think it depends on how the manager deals with it. Um, so I've seen it before at Chelsea. I mean, I've had it where 
actually a moment where I thought the manager was going to take someone off and he didn't. That was when I was at Fulham with Roy Hodgson and, and Jimmy Bullard was an incident. We were down 2-0 at half-time and twice we conceded and both times it was Jimmy Bullard's man through midfield. He just basically stopped and watched him run and, and get on the end of it and score. And he refused to accept any responsibility whatsoever that it, it was his man. And then basically he gets it. I mean, it was a tantrum. It was like, like a little, like an eight-year-old having a tantrum. Or probably even less. That's unfair on eight-year-olds. Probably like a six-year-old or a four-year-old having a tantrum. He got up and, and basically went, oh, I'm not having it, and stormed off. And as he went past all the set plays that were stuck up on the wall, ripped them all down. And like he missed a couple, went back and ripped them all off, and then stormed off into the toilets. It was, wow. Honestly, it was like a, it was a child moment. And he didn't get hooked. <laughs> but, he didn't get hooked, which I uh, was blown away by. Yeah. But, but I must say, like, it, this is what managers are, are there for, to, to make those tough, tough decisions. And I, I think as players as well, like, we, we've all played in games where there's been players on the pitch that has been absolutely awful and, and nothing has been done. And you're like, you know, it, it's as much frustrating to be a player on a pitch with someone next to you that's having a, a, a shocker than, than actually... You know, I'd rather see the manager be be tough and and make those decisions. Uh, and and I, I remember when when I was at Stoke, we we played the games against Chelsea. We were one 0 down. Tony Pulis put a, a young, not a young, but an Algerian player who hadn't played much on the pitch, tried to chase it. Um, uh, Asaidi, he was called. Five minutes later, we score. A minute later, he takes him back off, puts a defender on, and and it's it's you know you feel for the guy, and and it's not fair, but but. The manager's there to win games, makes the tough decisions. So I, I quite like what Ats- uh, Ateta's is doing, and, and he's he's setting that team up with those tough decisions. He, he's 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 drawing a line line in the sand. I want to know what the response was in the change room afterwards when he got taken off and he came off after the game again, coming on and then going off again. Was there a reaction in the change room? What did Pulis do? Yeah, again, uh, he he never had that connection that like what you were talking about with Mourinho going over taking. You know, taking an arm around a player, explaining. I, I, you know, it's a tough business. We all know that. And and uh, you know, I felt from I think that, you know we were a few players that just went over and gave him a pat on the back. And um, but then you know we, we got the result and everyone is happy. And and sadly, that's that's what sometimes happens. Tommy, were you at Sunderland with Lee Clark when he kicked the water bucket when he got he got subbed? It, it yeah, it rings a you bell. Remember but, that? Um, so you don't yeah, remember the old yeah. bu- before physios actually became proper physios knew what they do. Remember the old <laughs> bucket and sponge when it was half full of water on the side of the bench. <laughs> Lee Clark got subbed off by Peter Reed and he wasn't happy. Clark he, he walked past Peter Reed, shoved him away, and he went to kick the water bucket, which was obviously half full of water, and his foot went straight into the water bucket. And he I remember the physio trying to get his foot out of it, and then Peter Reed was able to grab him. And they had a massive ding dong on the side of the field. You were probably still playing the game, Tommy. I was on the bench and witnessed it all. So there you go. And were you on the bench? Were you in the stand watching? Because you, like, I was on the bench, Schwartz. I was a young kid. I yeah. was on the bench. Ready to make me debut? Just, yeah, he had played in the reserves the day before. Yeah, for so. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Too much coffee. Jeez, Bridgie. Uh, yeah, well, there you go. So it seems like the consensus is that it's a good. It, it shows character from a manager to be able to do that. And I think Mikel Arteta, being a modern manager, he's played under Pep. I, something strikes me like he'd be the type to explain it to the player afterwards. But Tavares chucking a tantrum, it never looks good. We've seen it. Some of the classic ones that we've seen at Premier League clubs, even players refusing to go on. Remember the Carlos Tevez incident as well. I guess this is what happens with you footballers. You guys are, you know, a little bit. You can be quite prima donna sometimes. Yes, Shorty. Well, a couple, a couple of seasons ago with, with uh, Rizabalaga, 
at Chelsea yes. with with Sarri as the manager, refusing to go off before the penalty shootout. So exactly, you know, it, it's happened many times before, and I'm sure it will continue to happen in the future. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a strange one nonetheless, but it was a tough week for Arsenal because even in the WSL, which we were showing here live on Optus, the women's team. Oh, yeah has been flying high on top of the league, absolutely smashing it. They'd only conceded three goals up until this point, and they played Birmingham, who were on the bottom, hadn't won a game, had only scored four all season, and Birmingham beats them 1-0, and I guess that's why we love football. Yes, Wazzy? The best thing is about that one, Birmingham hadn't won a home game in over 400 days. Yeah, crazy, it, right? Insane. Yeah. Arsenal's lost, what, four of the last five games as well, so they're obviously in a really bad run at the moment, but Birmingham City, incredible result. Yeah, unbelievable. I'm still celebrating both Arsenal teams losing. I'm just having a white wave. Well, the problem with <laughs> the problem with the Arsenal um, Arsenal against Nottingham Forest was Arsenal turned up like Real Madrid, but played absolutely like a, a pub team. Yeah. <laughs> Quoting Roy Keane there, I think. <laughs> absolutely, and I agree with him. He's absolutely right. <laughs> He's spot on. It was a poor week for Arsenal, but it got me thinking about that. Like, how much does that affect you as a player when you are flying high on top? Um, you, you, you're playing a team that you definitely should win, whether it is in a cup game and you're playing a lower opposition or it is you're at the top of the table. Bridget, I don't know if you've really been at the top of the table, but you're playing someone at the bottom. Um, to- hey, I was top of the Premier League at Christmas in 1999-2000. Top of the Premier League. Tell me, give me a call when you get a Premier League contract, right? Shut up. But uh, how much does it play on your mind? Has it ever happened to you that you've just completely underestimated the opposition and it's come back to haunt you? I'm not talking to you. <laughs> yes, it has. You know, this is the magic of the cup, you know. That's why it was being great being back here and actually witnessing some of them lower leagues. And, you know, there was a lot of upsets. Kitty and Harry are getting a great result as well. Um, I saw their manager celebrating with the players. The joy of the cup is it doesn't matter what is on paper and the teams and the names that are down there. It's all about up here. If you go in with the right attitude and you you go. You want to be professional and put on a performance, then you'll you'll get the job done if you are the higher level team. If you go in with any form of arrogance, and you know I've, I've been at a club in Leeds United where we did get knocked out of the cup um, by a lower league opposition, and we went in with the wrong attitude. We were flying high in the Premier League, flying high in Europe, and you go up against a, a lesser team, two divisions below you, and um, mate, you go in the wrong arrogance and attitude, you're going to get smacked because the, it is their FA Cup day for these lower teams. It is their mainstay. And they go in physically prepared, nowhere near the class and the level that they should be playing up against, but they go in with this thing. And this mind is a very powerful thing when you get it switched on. Mm. Did it ever happen to you, Tommy? Did you ever bottle it against a team that you should have beaten in the cup? I think the worst games uh, that you played was when, when you played away at those smaller grounds, smaller clubs, and the pitch was, you know, not the greatest. And, and then the quality advantage that that you have is taken out and you know then that you know everything is equal in 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 respect of you know they're fit as well you know even though it's it's league two or league one you know they can run forever uh and and they they, they tend to be better at tackling than than some of the fancy players in the premier league um so you know again those games were always the 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 toughest and uh yeah i i remember a few times being knocked out where you know, you don't want to read the papers the day, uh, day after for sure because you know yourself as well that the attitude wasn't right. Is, is the FA Cup is, is kind of a weird thing over there where the FA Cup still does mean so much to the fans, but 
there's this frustration because sometimes the managers maybe don't take it as seriously as the fans take it and they rest players and they play their youth players. They take it as an opportunity to promote a youth player. Whereas for the fans, the FA Cup still is the oldest competition in England and one of the most prestigious. Is there this disconnect at the moment over there in the UK, Schwartzy? Uh, you know what it is? It's like a Newcastle-Burnley scenario and, and in terms of what's the most important situation? What's the important league? What, you know, where are our priorities? We need to stay in the it's league. It's all about so the can... money. Hmm. What's that? It's all about the money. Of course. So there's, it's not staying pri- in the there's not a lot of prize money for the FA Cup. As wonderful as the FA Cup is, which it is, it's incredible. It's incredible to play in as a player. I loved playing in it. We got knocked out by Tramir Rovers when I was playing for Middlesbrough. It was at the time when they had that really long throw all the time. And they, just, they 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 knocked out someone else in the challenger was it was a Callum was a challenger yeah, yeah I think it was yeah. something like yeah, yeah it was yeah. An unbelievable throw and and they they knocked it I think they beat us two one talk about what you said Thomas there on on pitches at the time they were just literally was more dirt than there was grass on it <laughs> um, tight little stadium there's no excuses but in, what I'm saying is it's the environment the atmosphere it's the moment it's the underdog against the bigger team. And the changes that you make, so fringe players, some fringe players are annoyed they've actually got to go play those games because they know it's going to be, a, like it's, it's almost like a lose-lose situation. Unless you play incredibly well, there's always room to be criticised. Um, and if you don't win, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's an open, open field day, you know, of, of criticism. And then there's a couple of players that are regulars who might, might get left behind because mm. they go, right, have a rest, don't have to travel. So there's all these combinations of things. But as a player, I have to say, I love playing the FA Cup and I always wanted to play all the games. Um, wonderful tournament. But I think, like I said, it's about prioritising what is the most important thing for the club. And, and as we all know, staying so Premier League survival far, far outweighs anything else. Mm. But what I will say, this FA Cup at the moment, this round of fixtures with the Premier League teams that have been in, there has not been teams that have really played lesser squads. Manchester United had to due to COVID, but there's a lot of teams running on their lower numbers due to sicknesses and and COVID issues. You know, the game we're watching at this moment that's live is Manchester United-Aston Villa. Both teams having a right good go. Newcastle United had to put a very good team out. Burnley put a very strong team out. Newcastle were beaten in their own stadium on a lovely surface with their first team squad out to their maximum capacity. Where you find the fans get annoyed at is in the League Cup. I think there's a lot more teams are not bothered by the League Cup. You'll find a lot of changes. I still think the FA Cup has won its glory back and managers and players and owners of the clubs have gone, yeah, there's less money at stake, but this is the FA Cup. Let's give it the credit it deserves. I think it's got back to that a good status because it did lose its credibility several years ago, but I think um, they, they've treated very respectfully this season. I think the League Cup's changed a bit now. I think the League Cup is almost for all the rest of the teams, almost like we're not going to win that because Man City take that very seriously. And because Man City have been taking it really seriously, the rest are starting to. It's changed, the League Cup. It's the first trophy you can win. And I think... Correct me if I'm wrong, but what I can remember, Jose Mourinho was probably the first one to say that was the benchmark trophy that I wanted to win. It's the first trophy you could win. It was the first bit of silverware, and if we can win that, it's going to set the tone, and more likely we're going to go and win the league, which Chelsea did each time. So it's, it's, it's evolved a little bit. The FA Cup, you look, at, you look at Arsenal. Arsenal put a mixture out, like most of the bigger teams did. Um, but Arsenal's mixture just wasn't good enough and the performance of the team just wasn't good enough. They, they were way below par. I don't even think they registered one single shot on target, mm. which is appalling, really. And Forrest deserved to win. I have to say, I watched the game and Forrest were, were very, very good. Um, Jed Spence actually down the right back, right uh, full-back position. He's on loan from Middlesbrough. 
He was at Fulham Academy in the same team my son was. So I know him as a 10-year-old, got released by Fulham and then ended up signing for Middlesbrough, kind of in and out of the side, and then found himself going out alone because he couldn't get game time. Um, and now all of a sudden, there's a lot of talk of him potentially going back. And I thought he was absolutely outstanding. He was the best player on the park against, uh, against Arsenal. Hmm. Yeah, and just on that point, actually, do you think the, the Europa League qualification has added anything to these tournaments? Or do you think it's, it's not, not as important? Because the teams that end up winning it are usually fighting for Champions League anyway. Yeah. I mean, I that, think it's a bit more of an incentive, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. It, it's a massive challenge anyway. Like people say, I don't. Maybe, maybe, I still don't think the bigger clubs are happy if they get knocked out because I think they all think with the size of squads they got and the quality of squads they've got, it still should be enough to get through the the lesser opposition. Mm. So, I still think the bigger clubs feel that the FA Cup is important. Yeah, but obviously, winning the league and doing well in Europe is is probably supersedes winning the FA Cup. But I think yeah. it's a close third, at least, behind like behind winning the league or finishing really high in the league and, say, doing really well in the Champions League. Yeah. Not not necessarily Europa League or anything like that. Mm. And well, I, and I also, yeah, no, but I also think that it, it, it's becoming more and more black and white for managers as well. So so you've got to put everything on the line to win whatever trophy you can win. Uh, I, don't think, yep. I don't think you can take anything likely um, yeah. in, in this day and age. I think with a group of teams at the top now, you're right. So, you know, you look at right now, the Premier League race is really between three teams. And it's probably, at the moment, it's kind of one and the other two are hanging on just at the moment, right? So the rest is then up for grabs. So, and, and they're the things that I don't think any of the big team, any of the teams can take for granted. You can't take the League Cup for granted. You can't take the FA Cup for granted. Nor can you take Europa League, whatever it is, for granted. Um, and that's where you can come unstuck, I think. And well, I guess that made the League Cup all the more important. Man City have dominated it, but they were bombed out of this one by West Ham. So now all of a sudden it presented a great opportunity for some other big clubs to get that silverware halfway through the season. But it's been in the news recently because Liverpool's game against Arsenal did get postponed because of the COVID cases. And some further investigation has shown that there was only one positive COVID case. It was a lot of coincidentally... False positives just in time when Mane and Salah have gone to the African Cup of Nations. Bridgie, what have we made for this? Is there a conspiracy theory that we can jump on here? I'm not going to get involved in conspiracy theories. What I am going to say is that you can bend the rules and twist the rules and maximise them without going over the edge and becoming illegal or dodgy. And I think that's what's happened in this case. So that's all I'm going to say. They've maximised their ability to, um, to get the game called off to delay it for a later date. Have they broke the laws? I don't think they have, but they've, they've used it to the maximum of their, their opportunities. And if there is, I'd do exactly the same thing because when you've got two men that are in the leading goal-scoring charts and, you know, Mo Salah, that many clear, uh, you need them back. So, yeah, I, I would have done exactly the same thing as I could. Am I not right in saying that uh, they're independently tested? Um, you know, that it's not the club that actually tests the players. It's an independent company or something, is it? Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know enough about it. You guys I, are over I, there. I, I don't, actually know. don't know. Yeah, yeah, I actually don't know either. So that would be interesting. To yeah, know. because because I I, I, um, I I met up with Casper Michael uh, while I was in Denmark, and and he was saying that ah. my Danish friend ah, named and uh, ah. yes, he he actually he he said that they actually had um, two or three guys from some sort of agency there to test the players. Um, you know, so it wasn't the club. So I, I presume that's the same for every club, uh, just to make sure that, yeah, obviously <laughs> nobody sort of 
gets around the rules. Yeah, I, I'd but, be yeah, surprised. Yeah, again. I'd be surprised if it were just the club dealing with it. I'd be surprised if they didn't have someone overseeing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and the company that have just gone on the stocks and share market have just gone through the roof because they've just made them. They've had a massive deposit of money put into their accounts. <laughs> Whoops, what are you trying to say, Bridgie? <laughs> I thought you didn't want to go into conspiracy theories. Now you've taken another. I thought, I thought we finished the. Po- I thought we finished the podcast. <laughs> There's a few few holes being dug this morning. Oh, wow. so. <laughs> yeah, Liverpool fans, uh, close close your laptop screens now or wherever you're listening on. Because, yeah, no, look, it has come out of nowhere, but maybe they are a little bit worried about this Arsenal team that are hunting for that trophy. Nonetheless, they, Chelsea are up 2-0 on Tottenham, so we'll see how that one turns out. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You mentioned Jose Mourinho before. I wanted to get your opinion, guys, on Jose because the break in the Premier League has given us an opportunity to go around Europe, watch some of the other football. Jose Mourinho, in the space of four days, conceded three goals to AC Milan, lost that game, conceded four goals yesterday to Juventus and lost that game. Bridgie, has Jose lost his shine as a manager? He's definitely lost something. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, Swartz, had the, Swartz, you worked with him, didn't you? I did, yes. Yeah, so Swatch's worth, and we've seen how class and you know quality he was. Whether he's, I don't know what he has lost. Whether it's the ability to go with the tactics of your Guardiola's and your clubs, I don't know. I don't see him work on a day-to-day basis. Has he lost the ability to um, have the same impact in building relationships with the players these days as were back in the day? You know, we know life is changing with social media and things. I don't know, but there's definitely something going on because this is not the kind of style of play that you expect from a Mourinho team when they're conceding so many goals in the manner that they were doing it come being 3-1 up to lose 4-3 um, that, that'll be hurting him and I wouldn't like to have been in the dressing room after the game because I'm sure he would have flown off the handle Yeah, Schwartz did he have a did he have a a click in him Jose Mourinho when he'd lose a game like that or is he a, always a calm character? Now you know what it was a combination because now he, had, he certainly had it mm. absolutely and there, was, there were moments I, I found it really hard to, to, to read him I didn't know because there were moments at Chelsea when I was there. I mean, obviously, I had him for 18 months when I was there. And there were moments when there was a bad performance and you just thought, right, he's going to tear shreds out of us as we go in the change room, right? And you go in there and you sit down and you're thinking, right, who is he going to go for? So-and-so is out of, yeah, he's struggled. He's going to struggle. He's going to tear shreds out of him. He didn't. He was right, right. That's done with, 45 minutes. Now, this is, how, this is what we need to do to win the game. Forget about that. That's behind us. And then he'd address it later on. And then other times you thought, actually, did all right today. You know, did all right in that first half or moment in the game. That was actually all right. Got away with it there. It's fine. And then he'd come in and just fly off the handle at people. Mm. So it was re- I found him really, really difficult to read at times. You just didn't know what you were going to get. And I suppose as a player, maybe... Uh, listen, I think everything he does... There is a thought process. I think there's a, there, there is a, certainly a, 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 a tactical ploy that he instills. Mm-hmm. I think he thinks things through and goes, right, gets a feeling from everyone. Okay, what do you guys feel? I'm thinking, I'm feeling this, right, there's got to be a moment. I've got to explode. I've got to let them know. 
that this isn't good enough. And, 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 I, and I think it can be the slightest thing. And I think he does it to, to make sure people are on their toes all the time. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt. I think a few people might have copped a bollock in there after two straight losses. Pretty much puts Roma way out of the title race and starts to put him further and further away from their Champions League race as well. Tommy, we go over to Spain. Real Madrid flying high on top of the league now. Vinicius Jr. during the week came out as the highest, most valuable footballer in the world at the moment. Vinicius Jr. is valued at 166 million euros. Is he a little bit underrated because we maybe don't watch him week in, week out like we do a lot of these Premier League players? Is he the best young player in the world? Uh, um, you know, he's definitely up there for sure. Um, you know, I, th- I think I'll rank a, a Haaland, uh, you know, probably ahead of him. Um, but, you know, again, we, we've seen... Probably, definitely. Uh, definitely, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, you know, we were sitting there, you know, last year when we, when we were, you know, watching the Champions League and, you know, he was a difference maker in a lot of those games uh, for Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, he, he also plays alongside Benzema, who's, again, you know, right on top of his game uh, he's just one of those players a little bit like Sancho you know he, he, he can sort of drift in and out of games uh, I think he's showing more stability now than he probably did a, a year ago but you know he's for me like a Haaland is, is again ahead of him for sure as the most valuable player but you know he's Brazilian that always adds a, a little bit extra to it <laughs> Brazilian tax. And yeah. Tommy's just mentioned a Tommy's just mentioned a guy there, Sancho, that I never want to talk about ever again because you, Claude, put me and Swartz in an uncomfortable position <laughs> last week about the Manchester United Greenwood, Rashford, and Sancho. Who would you pick, bench, and sell? My God, I got you absolutely got lit up. abused yeah, on yeah, Instagram and Twitter that. for saying I would drive Sancho to the airport and sell him. <laughs> so I ain't talking about this guy ever again, man. I had a oh, really depressing week. The amount of people that said. I'd drive Bridgie to the airport and get rid of him. Yeah, that was Brilliant. my, that was my fake account. Loved I did it. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's what it's all about. I even think, I even think my wife commented and said the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Understandably. You know what it was? It was, it was? it was brilliant social media journalism from the guys here because they gave absolutely no context that we were playing a game where you had to sell one of those players. So people just nah, thought that you stitched called, us up. Yeah. Look, it's a stitch up, but that's it. Was great. I loved that's it. That's the game. That's the game, nonetheless. And uh, oh, la- <laughs> last one I want to stop at uh, on our European adventure here, Schwartzy, is is the Bundesliga. I know you love it. I know you itch to chat about it. Bayern Munich slipped up again against Borussia Mönchengladbach. So they lost to them in the league last season. They were yep. dumped out of the cup five 0 this season, and now they've lost again to them. Is that just their bogey side? Mm. And and th- does that happen in football? Is there like sometimes one club? Which you just you just can't beat for some reason they've got you figured out. Yeah, I think there are sometimes there are teams that you you know you look at recent years results and they haven't been particularly kind and you you've struggled a little bit. Let's put it a little bit in perspective as well. Um, Bayern had, I think they got about eleven players out, mm-hmm. COVID injuries. I think they got six or seven players out with COVID alone, um, which. Obviously, it's huge. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players out with COVID. So, I mean, even though they've got a top squad, I mean, they had Zabitzer playing at left back. Mm-hmm. They had Kimmich playing at centre half. You know, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm making excuses for them. They still, I watched the, I watched the first 45 minutes. They played, they actually played okay by him. Mm-hmm. And they're on the front foot, scored scored relatively early. Really good finish from, from Lewandowski. And it, it looked like at that moment in time, like... Gladbach might might roll over a little bit and and get a bit of a spanking and and then kind of a, kind of a, from nothing they they score a goal 
um, and then get and then and then they get the second one shortly after. Two two good goals actually. Yeah. Two well worked goals. Good finishes. Um, Florian Neuhaus. Tell you what, what a player he is. Mm. Um, I'd be. There's been a lot of talk of him potentially going to Bayern. Um, he is a phenomenal player. Um, so I'd be surprised if he is still at Gladbach um, next season. He played really really well. Um, so yeah, no, listen, uh, it can be. You can come up against sides. Gladbach have been really inconsistent this season, about 11th on the table, maybe a little bit more now after that result. Mm. Um, they've struggled um, so far with Eddie Hutter as the manager. But I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say Bayern massively understrengthed. Yeah. Yeah, and, and now, now it's six points, the gap at the top. But I still think, you know, when Bayern Munich get in that position, they're probably the hardest team to catch in Europe. And you mentioned it. As soon as a player starts playing well, their next stop is Bayern Munich. It just feels like if they come calling, you always answer when it's Bayern on the phone. Um, but on that point, we're going to talk a little bit more about transfers, about Australian players. It's been a little bit quiet with some of the Australians. Uh, but one of them which has been making headlines is Riley McGree, Tommy. A year and a half ago, he was signed by Charlotte, who weren't a club yet. They were in the process of being established in the MLS. And they signed Riley McGree but in in that time he's really matured as a player good performances at the Olympics great performances for Birmingham they were very sad to see his contract come to an end but uh, now his biggest link has been Celtic Football Club as well as a few other Champions League teams it looks like Celtic is his destination is that a good move for Riley and and could he start in this team under Ange Postacoglu? Would he be a starter week in week out? Maybe not necessarily certainly not to begin with but he's certainly going to play a part. I mean if Ange, Ange obviously likes him he knows what he's going to get from him he knows his qualities he's, he's obviously someone that is improving dramatically and I think it just I think it fits the mm. profile for Celtic at this moment in time. They're looking for you know, good players at a bargain price because obviously their financial situation is a rebuild all sorts of stuff and Ange can probably get the best out of him. So I, I, I can see it working and I can see it being a decent fit for them. Do you think Riley McGree and Tom Rogic can both play in the same team? Or is that are they going to be head-to-head competition basically for the same position? <clears throat> could well be. Yeah. Um, yeah, it could well be and it could be one or the other. Yeah. Um, you know, with Ange, is <laughs> not afraid to make those decisions either, is he? And I think with Tommy, Tommy's actually pl- been playing really, really well. Yeah. It's probably been, the, I mean, it's the best he's, I've seen him play for, for quite a number of seasons now, I think, over a consistent period of time. I mean, we're, obviously, we're, it's not a huge amount of time at the moment, but for, I think for Tommy, it's finding that consistency, something that he's probably people have been most critical of when he played for the national team, mm. hasn't played to the level that he played at Celtic. I think he's certainly improved a lot this season. I think Andrew's had a big, big part to play in that, which is great for the Socceroos. And hopefully, if Riley goes there, hopefully, Andrew will find a way of playing the two of them together in the same team. And they do very, very well together. Yes, America, uh, I think, has evolved a lot. But, uh, you know, Europe is, is where, you know, the future is. I think he's, he's you know, again, he's only 23. Uh, a lot of, lot ahead of him. And, and then he, he gets to play under Andrew. You know, who brought him into the Australian squad, the Socceroos squad. Um, so I think it's it's a huge, uh, it, it'll be a huge, you know, opportunity for him. Uh, you know, he's he's really matured. You know, I I, I watched him a lot at Melbourne City. Um, you know, he obviously burst onto to the scene with that you know scorpion kick at Newcastle, and um, and has improved a lot. He's consistent uh, a lot more now than he used to be. Uh, and he's, he's that midfielder that can come from, from deep. His runs into the box are, are fantastic. And, 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 you know, it seems like he's built a little bit of body strength as well now, like to cope with the, the English game. And, uh, you know, Celtic, again, play in Europe, uh, play for championships. 
you know, I think it's it's uh, he's coming to a club as well who's on the up. I think uh, you know the players they've signed, the Japanese players. I think it's going to make a massive difference. So uh, Ange is doing a good job there, and, and it's a good place for him. Yeah, just on that, Bridgie, we're chatting. Ange Postecoglou looking like the most likely to seal the deal with Riley McGree, uh, but that that could be imminent. Besides that, he signed a new Irish prodigy, young teenage footballer. There, he's also signed three Japanese players already in this window. And for a man that was only put on a twelve-month contract, is this a good indication that Celtic see him there for for the long term? Yeah, I think it's absolutely huge um, to see them giving him that giving him that opportunity. Um, because it shows that they are believing in the product of football that he's producing and it also shows that they believe in the players that he's, he's brought in already. And I think that is absolutely huge for Ange Postecoglou and you know he's getting a little bit more of a say in what he's doing um, because that means he's got the backing. I know he's won the fans over. Um, journalists are still half and half out there. He's proven a lot of them wrong. There's still a lot of them just trying to make sure that they're on top of his to keep him on his game. But um, as, a, as the coaching staff... And the people behind the scenes, yeah, he's making huge waves, mate. And that, that is a great sign for me. And I hope Riley McGree comes off. I really do. And Schwartz, because uh, I always go to you as my Bundesliga expert, another Aussie that's been a little bit in the headlines is Aidan Hustich, who, of course, plays his club football for Eintracht Frankfurt. It's a great club. It's a huge club to be at. But he's he's been in and out of that side now for two years. It's like we see him start, we see him put a good performance in, and he's relegated to the bench the following week. And there's a few Bundesliga clubs at the lower end of the table looking at him. I know Augsburg was mentioned as a, as a heavy link with him. Is, is that the right move for Has he got to look for regular football, or is it good enough being at a huge club like Frankfurt? No, I think it's always best to be playing week in, week out. I mean, and he started against Bayern on the weekend. So, you know, it was a great opportunity for him to, to play again. And I think this season's been his most, most amount of times that he's been involved. He's played yeah. games. Um, huge, huge opportunity for him. Um, big club. And that's always the debate, isn't it? Do, do, you, do you stay at a big club where everything is going, you know, everything is great around you, the environment, the quality of players around you and so forth, the expectations, or do you go to a team that's a lesser club, but you're going to play week in, week out? And I, I mean, I was always one that was, uh, was of the belief I wanted to go play somewhere. I wanted to go anywhere where I was going to play, certainly not in the latter stages of my career, but when I was, you know, through most of my career, I wanted to play week in, week out. And yeah. that's what I'd be doing. Um, but, you know, listen, as long as he's playing and, he, and he's, you know, as an outfield player, is slightly different to a goalkeeper, as we all know. You know, you, you don't have to play every week, mm. but you have some involvement, like start every week. I mean, you, yeah. you, you want to play every week, but you don't necessarily have to start every week yeah. um, to get that regular football. So at the moment, you know, it, it's, I think it's a, it's a really good club for him. Mm. It's just, it's just how, how he sees it moving yeah. forward. Yeah. He sees he wants to go somewhere where he's guaranteed to be playing every week, where he's going to be more of a main man, yeah. then maybe it's to look elsewhere. Otherwise, I think for his development, I think it's still a great opportunity. That experience playing at a big club like Eintracht Frankfurt is, is massive. And, and in a World Cup year, you talk about goalkeepers, Tommy, in a World Cup year, Matty Ryan, who's playing for Sociedad, sitting fourth in La Liga. It's great, but he's, he's played two or three games in La Liga this season because it's very hard for him to move the number one out of his spot when he's in the form that he's in. For Matty Ryan, who's jumped clubs a lot in the last two years, he's our number one in a very important year for our country. Is the right move for him to stay, slug it out, hope for an opportunity? I mean, you don't want to say it, but maybe hope for a, a cheeky, dislocated finger at training for the number one keeper or something, or is the right move to move away and look for regular game time? 
Uh, you know, you don't wish uh, bad things on other people, but uh, you know, I, I, we've all—I think Swartz has been in that situation where, where there's a—you have a little hope in the back of your head that it, something's going to happen. Uh, but you know, again, you know, he—he'll be the judge of it. You know, how close he feels. You know, there, there'll be plenty of games with uh, the Aussie squad, and I think he, he's in obviously in a good position. He, he's always produced when he's playing, so that that counts in his favour. Um, uh, but you know, in in the longer term, with the World Cup, and there's no leading to the World Cup. There, there's no real. Uh, the season's only, I think, break about a week before the World Cup starts. So there's not that big lead off of three or four friendly games to get into shape. Um, so if if the Socceroos hopefully uh, qualify, that could be a problem if if he's still in the same situation. So he has a decision to make for sure. Yeah, I, I think that's key. I, I, obviously, till the end of the season, he's there. Unless something pops up that is like an unbelievable opportunity for him to go play every week. I, I think he stays there until the end of the season and sees how, how it plays out. And then he has a decision to make in, in, in the summer. Because like, like Tommy was saying there, leading up to the World Cup, there isn't that time. There isn't opportunities really to go and play games to, to warm up and no. if you're talking 18 months then almost or say you know 17 16 17 months only having played a handful of games it's not the ideal scenario you want to be going into a world cup yeah no definitely not. it's going to be a bit of a different vibe now and, and yeah you've got to select your player, players based on who's playing week in week out a huge talk about world cup qualification huge news that came out yesterday at the Juventus camp is that Federico Chiesa arguably Italy's strongest player in the last year or two one Italian footballer of the year has done his ACL so he'll be out for those qualifying games where they play North Macedonia and Portugal just massive loss got worse for you hasn't it it's just massive worse loss for you, that, yeah. I mean, I that one hurts for you, mate. I, can, I can feel it coming through mm. the monitor on the computer <laughs> that you are absolutely bricking it that one hurts a lot. Yeah, not going to lie. Yeah. Not going to lie. I think if, yeah, look, we won't get to that one. We'll get to that one when the qualifiers come. They're on Optus as well, of course, late March. Can't wait for those ones. Uh, but for now, let's look forward to this weekend because the Premier League returns and it's an awesome weekend for it to come back. Um, Bridgie, you're coming home at the wrong time because football's heating up over there and Man City take on Chelsea just days after Chelsea play in the League Cup. Is this win or title over for Tommy Tuchel? Yes, I just had a good chat with um, Swartzy yesterday. Uh, went and met him down in London. We had our half-season review. Not going to give too much away. That'll be coming up on Optus Sport on the app very soon to see what we thought on teams and players and managers so far this season. I think this game is crucial. Um, Manchester City sitting pretty at the top. Claude, you'd be happy to know I've stuck by my guns. I'm going to give one away. I've said Chelsea will chase them down and this is the game to do it. I'm surprised you didn't change your mind again because, like yesterday when we did it, you know, we, we we gave through our answers right, and we're going through it all. And Bridge is like, he's not given the answer that he originally said. He's made up another one. It's just like yeah, let's not give so too I much pull, away. I had to pull him out. Yeah. I had to pull him up on it. And how, how many points? How many points has he had? He had by that time. We hadn't had any. <laughs> had a coffee. No, and well, no, we were. No, no, no. We had one. We were having one at that time. I mean, he is a bit of a lightweight these days. Let's be honest. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, it's a massive game, Schwartz, your former club against Man City. Can they beat Pep Guardiola's City in the form that they're currently in? Oh, I'm going to say yes, they can beat them. Mm. Is, it a, is it a massive task? Absolutely. But it, I think it doesn't matter what form either teams are in. To go to City and beat them is, is, is tough for any team. You know, it's going to be an incredible game. I'm actually going to the game. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, I'm working on the game, so I'll be pitch side as well, so it'll be brilliant. Um, Can't wait to listen to you on that. No, well, you, you won't be listening to me, mate, unless you 
going somewhere else <laughs> on the way home and maybe listening to a, another broadcaster. So we're not going to mention it. No. Nope. Um, but you know what? I I think it's a it's a huge game. I think yeah, it's almost at that moment where by if it's not that it's not that the season's over with. It's not that Chelsea can't win it if they lose to City. It'll just be another another sort of I suppose a statement of intent that we are going to win this and you're going to have to do something unbelievably special to catch I mean, us and I we're mean, going to have to drop off massively. What, what more incentive do the Chelsea players need to go out there and perform against a team that are top of the league? If you, this, it's, it's, make, it's make or break. They've got to go out yeah. there and put on a special performance as a collective and all as individuals because they know this is the, this is the, this is the challenge that everybody is um, wanting to do and Man City have thrown the gauntlet down to the rest of the league. And this is, this is huge for me. Come on, Chelsea. Wow, never thought I'd hear that. And uh, Tommy, does Lukaku start up top? Uh, I, th- I think he will. Um, you know, again, you know, a lot, a lot has been made of, of, you know, I think it was a huge mistake they did making that interview. And, and uh, I think that's also a huge, huge part of this that, that Chelsea needs to, to bury that. And, and, and what better way of doing that with a good performance? Maybe a Lukaku goal and, and a win a, a, against Man City. Um, and I think the league, you know, it'd be good for the league as well. Mm. You know, if, if, uh, if they stay within uh, six, seven points of of uh, Man City instead of, uh, yeah, I think it could be thirteen points if they lose. So that that's going to be game over. So we're all obviously we're all Chelsea fans, right? So we all want Chelsea to win. Is that is that I mean, that's what I'm feeling? Yeah, I'm that's feeling what it sounds that you like. all want yeah, yeah, Chelsea to win. I'm doing it for the I'm doing it for the league and because I went for Chelsea. To start yeah, I'm the, the same. Season. I'm the same. Yeah. Wow. Very rare for that to happen. Just shows how good City have been, really. It's a testament to them that everyone hates them and wants them to lose this game. Uh, It's going to be a cracking game, nonetheless. A great way to bring the Premier League back on Optus. And then later in the weekend, Aston Villa, Tommy, your old boys, host Man United this time. And I find this happens so much in football where you play a team during the week in the Cup and then you got them again in the league. And psychologically, how does that play on you when you've just lost during the week and now you've got to play them again? Ah, oh, the massive difference is uh, they'll be at Villa Park. Uh, Continue will be playing. Uh, by the sounds of it, he's just uh, cleared his medical, uh, so there'll be a fantastic atmosphere. Um, and again, you know, even in the game today, yes, uh, Man United have just won against Villa one nil, but uh, you know, Villa had enough chances in the first half, should have scored uh, two go- two disallowed goals. I still think Man United got too many problems out of the back, give too many chances away, and. And um, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that Villa is going to win this one. Yes, I'm sticking with Tommy. I thought the performance tonight in the FA Cup um, over here that we just watched, they were, I thought they were awesome. Got their tactics spot on. Stevie Gerrard had a few a few um, players that were just not quite firing. You know, Watkins has missed a few chances tonight. I think on another day, he gets the goals. It was 1-0 to Villa last time, I do believe, in the, in the league. Yep. Um, yep. At the home ground, I think Tommy's absolutely spot on. He has nailed it. Coutinho will be back. They'll be at home. They'll take so much confidence from this um, game tonight, even though they got beat. And I felt very harshly done by from some of the um, some of the decisions that went against them. So I'm, I'm rooting for Aston Villa in this one. Does Coutinho start? I hope so. Yeah. Oh, so does, does he drop Buendia? Or does uh, he play both of them? That's why Stevie Gerrard gets yeah, paid the big bucks to make them. the big decisions. I jump on the fence, mate. Come he's going to ask a question. <laughs> 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 not bad from you I think I think he'll try to play both of them won't he? he'll try to fit both of them in just to not get, start 
so unsettling that change so he, room. You know, if he, I, I, is he dropping Ings? Is he dropping Ings? I don't think he'll start him because he's only just—he's only literally just signed, isn't he? I don't yeah. know. I'm, I've got a feeling he's not going to start on the weekend. It's a good opportunity to get the roar of the park as well when you're bringing him on in the 50-60th yeah. minute and well, just give that extra boost. Yeah. What about uh, what about Cristiano Ronaldo, Schwartzy? Um, news coming out. It also depends how much you want to read into it that he's called an emergency meeting with his agent to sort out the situation at Man United. Uh, didn't play this morning, and and still the the question begs: Are they better without him? Oh, isn't it brilliant though? Like uh, apparently there's been an emergency call for a meeting. Like it's, honestly, seriously, where does that come from? Honestly, like someone people just the tw- love the Twitterverse. <laughs> the Twitterverse. Yeah, it's great. It, just, it fuels like, this. It fuels this yeah, conversation he, though. He's just he's just tweeted <laughs> saying, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to call my agent. I want an emergency meeting with him." And then everyone's going, "Oh, he's doing it." It's like <laughs> seriously, um, it's great. Makes, makes great headlines, doesn't it? It does. Um, Listen, listen. Where, where would United be without Ronaldo's goals this season? Out of, the out of the Champions League. Out of the Champions League, yeah. Yeah, so for all the criticism, and I, and I understand there, there, there's some criticism I think is justifiable. I think, you, you know, you certainly can question how does Ronaldo fit in the Manchester United side. I think once you've made the decision to bring him back, you know that he's not going to be happy sitting on the bench. So you've got to play to his strengths. You've got to almost set the team up. You, well, you have to. You have to set the team up to compensate for his weaknesses and get him in the position where he's best and that's in that A&Yard box to get on the end of things because he will score. And Ralph Ranjet will not allow that. He's all about the team ethic rather than an individual and fitting people around him. And, and I think he's got a huge he point. Get, but he can get away with it, can't he? Because he came after Ronaldo's there. Ronaldo's the, not the long-term future of the club. So in, in, that, and then in that side of things, if, if they feel that, right, they're going to stick with Rangnick, they're going to, sorry, go with him and go with his philosophy and this is going to change things, then they're going to, once they've made that decision to bring him, they've got to go with what he, what he, what he actually suggests, what he thinks. Mm. Mm. Well, I wouldn't be, I mean, he didn't, didn't feature this morning, but like you said, Ronaldo, if he's in the team, if he is fit, he usually has to start. So it'll be interesting to see playing the same team. Of course, there's a few difference in personnel, but playing the same team twice in a row with and without Ronaldo, will be very interesting to see what the result is. Tommy, the last game, which I think for us is Monday morning here in Oz. It's a North London derby. Tottenham taking on Arsenal. And Tottenham find themselves a couple points behind Arsenal in the race for the top four. But they have two games in hand. A win here would put them above them with that two-game buffer. And that would be a huge step to the top four, right? Yeah, and, and um, I think it's probably about three or four weeks back, I uh, made a big call that I thought uh, Tottenham would finish ahead of Arsenal. So for, for all uh, the hype that Arsenal's getting, and, and, and well-deserved, I think, um, <laughs> uh, hey, I, 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 you know, Swartzy, when you have small successes, you've got to, you've got to, hey. You, I, I never you, do you, that. You've got to enforce I it. I never say that. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> no, I, I seriously think, con, con, uh, you know, he's, he's made a massive difference. I, I think he's short off. Uh, they're not conceding as many goals. Uh, you know, there's still room for improvement, but they, they're going to sit back. They're going to try to hit Arsenal where they're probably the weakest in, in that transition phase because Arsenal will want the ball. Um, and uh, it's going to be a good match, I think. You know, Arsenal has improved, and so has Tottenham. So, uh, but being at uh, at home, I think Tottenham will uh, draw. Um, you know, draw the three points in that one. Bridgie, for Tottenham, they play a League Cup game, which they're they're two 0 down against Chelsea, and that's just days before this game. Whereas Arsenal get a decent rest, I guess, seeing as though what's happening with the schedule against Liverpool. Um, what would you say is the most important thing here for Tottenham? Do they try and overturn that 2-0 deficit against Chelsea and play a full team and go for broke in that one? Or do you accept defeat there in the League Cup semi-final? And do you focus everything on the North London derby? 
I'd be ringing somebody up at Liverpool to find out how they managed to get their game called off and seeing if Tottenham can do that against um, Chelsea and then go into the, the derby in the, with a full set of fresh legs. I don't know, mate. I'm going to sit in the fence with this one, but I'm going to say Tottenham will win. Um, I, th- I would I would write off the League Cup. I'll be honest with you. I, mm. would, I think Conte will, will be focusing now on that game against Arsenal. I think he knows how important that is. It's going to be very, very hard to turn that deficit around against Chelsea. Um, no mm. shadow, it's no shadow of a doubt. So whether he plays a lesser team, if it was me personally, I'll be playing a lesser team and getting everybody prepared for that Arsenal match, mate. That's what I would be because that fourth spot in the Champions League is huge for Conte. The, the, I guess the other spanner in the works there is that Chelsea have a really quick turnaround, a far quicker turnaround between their game against Spurs and their game against City. So maybe they'll play a lesser team, and they, it could be an opportunity there for Spurs to turn well, around. There's, and there's, there's two ways you can look at that as well. Uh, we've talked about do managers and fans want trophies. It, it could be that you might think that Chelsea may turn turn out um, a lesser team. They've got that, like you say, against City, and and do that. And does Conte go full strength and try and turn it around? It, it's, yeah. This is the this is the joy of football. There's so many different outcomes and, and opinions that myself for myself, like I say, I, I would just write it off. Is that in Conte's mind? And coming from a Spurs fan, I want to see Spurs win something before I die. Um, so it would be nice to see that, you know. <laughs> I I think I think they're going to go for it. Because, listen, they're at home. 2-0 is a precarious scoreline, as we all know. Yeah. If if Spurs really go for it and they get a goal you know, in a, in a reasonable time in the game, Chelsea could get a little bit nervous. Um, both having in the back of their mind the game's coming up. But I think Spurs, two games in hand over Arsenal. Conte will see this as, as another opportunity. Look, they're, they're one game away from a Wembley final. Why would you, why would you give it up already? Yeah. You know, exactly so right. I, I, I think he will still go strong. And you got to go for it. You got to back yourself. You're a big team. At the end of the day, Absolutely. you got 90 minutes is long enough to turn around a two 0 deficit. Yeah. So, 100. percent But I reckon they'll lose both of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, why no, that's why we love it. That's why we love it. The pantomime continued. Brilliant. That was great. <laughs> Plenty of football coming your way on Optus Sport, guys. That's all we got time for on the Gagan Pod next week. We're going to be joined again, hopefully, by these three legends. Tommy's back home, so he's got no excuse. Bridgie will be back home by next week. Schwartz, you never know where he'll be. Will he be in Spain? Will he be out and about uh, sinking wines there in London? But nonetheless, guys, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. And for everyone listening from home, the football kicks off Wednesday morning already. There's Premier League Southampton taking on Brentford. Everton, you guys can rest easy because your game's been postponed against Leicester, so you don't have to get battered again. West Ham, Norwich on Thursday morning and then Chelsea City is that feature game Saturday night the football kicks on right all the way through to the North London Derby on Monday morning Tommy Bridgie and Mark thanks so much for joining me and until next week guys enjoy the football catch you next time He's uh, knocking his microphone over. He's got that a lot to me. say. Uh, by the way, that's, a, that's not the first on, time Swatsy. he's dropped something in his career. His hands are terrible. <laughs> so predictable, Mr. Bridges. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.